We're just days away from the FDA's meeting on COVID vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds. Today, my conversation with the White House vaccination coordinator and Senator Mike Braun on his push to give unvaccinated police officers a new job here in Indiana. Plus, more of our interview with Senator Todd Young and Congressman Andre Carson on the Democrats' latest push for a deal on infrastructure. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dan Spieler. A lot happening in the nation's capital. Democrats facing more deadlines as they try to reach a deal on the president's agenda items. We're going to talk with Congressman Andre Carson and with both of Indiana's Republican senators. We're also talking about the latest news on the pandemic. Indiana's case numbers still trending down in recent weeks with the federal government gearing up for more children to be eligible for the vaccine, potentially in a matter of days now. Jesse Tenor has the latest from our Washington bureau. We'll be ready to vaccinate kids. An additional 28 million Americans could soon be eligible for a COVID-19 shot if the FDA and CDC authorize the Pfizer vaccine for a younger age group. We have secured vaccine supply to vaccinate every child ages 5 through 11. After the expected approval, White House COVID-19 response coordinator Jeff Science says the administration is ready to immediately ship the first 15 million doses across the country, where they will be available at places easy for families to access, like pediatrician offices, pharmacies, and schools. Parents in general look to their school uh, to make sure that they have clear information about how to keep their kid safe and growing, and this is no different. Mary Wall, a White House senior policy advisor for education, expects an initial rush to get the shot. But if the vaccination rate slows as it did for adults, Wall would leave any decisions about vaccine requirements in schools to state and local officials. What we would ask is that states and local governments do as much as they can to make sure that every parent has information about the vaccine um, and to make that vaccine available in as many places as possible. But Dr. Anthony Fauci stressed just how important it is to ultimately vaccinate the majority of these 28 million kids. That would play a major role in diminishing the spread of infection in the community. That was Jesse Tenor reporting. So again, here's the timeline. The FDA meeting takes place Tuesday. Then the following week on November 2nd and 3rd, the CDC's advisory committee makes its final recommendations ahead of the ultimate decision and guidance from the CDC director with those shots possibly being available on November 3rd or 4th. So what about that rollout process? Well, this week I spoke one-on-one -on -one with the White House vaccination coordinator. Are we ready in terms of the distribution effort that will be required? Well, this is exactly why we've released our um, operational uh, plan for rolling out the vaccines for 5 to 11, pending the approval by the CDC and the FDA. So for the last several weeks, we've been working with states, doctor's offices, pharmacies, community health centers, local health departments, and others to make sure that we are ready if and when CDC and FDA issue its recommendations. Look, we know we have about 28 million kids, 5 to 11, in this country, and we have to be ready. A lot of parents would want to bring their kids to their family physicians and pediatricians to get vaccinated in their offices. So we've been spending a lot of time making sure that we have tens of thousands of family docs and pediatricians ready to administer vaccines in their offices. And obviously, most pediatricians, uh, you know, obviously saying it's important to get vaccinated. You still do have a, a great percentage of Americans hesitant about these vaccines for one reason or another. Do you expect 
that we'll see more of the same in, in this age group? W what kind of level of vaccination within this age group do you think that we'll see and what are, what are you aiming for? Well, it's hard to predict where that would land, but what we know for now is there are a lot of parents based on surveys and focus groups who are ready right now to get their kids five to 11 vaccinated. In the most recent survey from um, the Kaiser Family Foundation, it shows that more than a third of parents are ready today to get their kids vaccinated. And that's even before the FDA or the CDC approved the vaccine. That same survey shows that about another third or a little bit more than a third that are interested, they're thinking about it, they wanna wait and see. So we know there are a lot of parents who are either ready now or they want some more information before they make up their mind. And that's why it's important to be ready. It's important to have all the channels uh, ready to accept kids and get them vaccinated. Uh, on the other end of the age spectrum, there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, people in their 80s, maybe people who are Im immunocompromised in, in the wake of Colin Powell's death. What, what is your message to Americans uh, about uh, the need to uh, protect others around us who, who, who might have certain conditions that make them more vulnerable to, to more severe breakthrough cases? Well, here's what I say. I'll start by saying that my heart goes out to General Powell's family. Uh, our country is a better country because of his service, and we're grateful uh, for his service. The fact remains, if you're vaccinated, you're much less likely to catch the disease and definitely unlikely to end up in the hospital or dying from COVID. But at the same time, it's really important that if you are already eligible for the booster shots, to go ahead and get your booster shots. We know if you're a, a Pfizer recipient, your second dose have been six months or more, and you're 65 and older, or if you're younger than 65, but have underlying medical conditions like diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity, or if you're a frontline essential worker, teachers, healthcare worker, firefighters, please go ahead and get your booster shots if you're eligible for it. Our interview there with the White House vaccination coordinator. Meantime, a lot of reaction here in Indiana this week on General Powell's life and legacy. Senator Todd Young said, quote, I'm saddened by the news and said General Powell left behind a legacy of unimpeachable integrity. May his example of statesmanship continue to mentor this and future generations. Congressman Andre Carson said, I'm very sad to hear of the passing of the former Secretary of State. He was a dedicated public servant and trailblazer. We're also hearing from Congressman Carson this week on the debate amongst Democrats over how much money to put into those two large infrastructure bills making their way through Congress. These things happen when you're negotiating and it's a give and take, it's a compromise, but all hope is not lost. Uh, the, the idea and the hope, quite frankly, is that we'll be able to go back and make the necessary corrections, uh, hopefully in the next Congress or the next few months. What's it going to take for these infrastructure and spending bills to gain your support? Well, first and foremost, um, I'm a Hoosier. Uh, I'm a proud Hoosier. I wave the Hoosier flag. Everyone knows that about me. People often make fun of me, even my colleagues in D.C. Uh, and folks back home. I love Indiana. And Indiana is a crossroads of America. And for me, uh, I'm going to do whatever I can do to make sure that we're, I'm bringing resources back to Indiana. And infrastructure is low-hanging fruit. This is bipartisan in nature. You're talking about 15, 20 million jobs over the next 20 years. This is easy, but because people have greater ambitions, they're stopping the train. During the CNN town hall Thursday night, President Biden 
said he would be willing to consider ending the filibuster for voting rights and quote, maybe more. What's your reaction to that comment? I, I was so happy to see him, him uh, address the filibuster publicly. I think it's antiquated. I think it's outdated. It's confusing to the American people. It's confusing to members of Congress. So it's time to get rid of the filibuster and move on so we can push through legislation that impacts the American people. You voted yesterday to hold Steve Bannon in criminal contempt of Congress. Do you believe he should be criminally prosecuted? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, Steve, Steve Bannon has displayed a kind of arrogance. We are still reeling from the effects of that very dangerous attack. And, you know, unfortunately, there were members of Congress who were in concert and law enforcement as well. And uh, he was, a, he was a, a big part of orchestrating that, or at least contributing to a very hostile environment. Meantime, this week, we're also hearing from Senator Todd Young. He was part of a press conference with Republicans raising concerns about a new proposal from the IRS. We spoke with him about it in an interview last week, along with his thoughts on the situation in Afghanistan and what Congress should do now to investigate. Here's more of Kristen's interview with Senator Todd Young. You called on Congress to conduct, in your words, rigorous oversight of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. What should that oversight look like, in your view? Well, we need to have the Secretary of State uh, and uh, other top officials, uh, top generals and, and uh, national security officials appear before our committees and subcommittees in Congress. This is something I'm encouraging the Chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to do uh, in an open setting and also in, in private confidential settings so we can learn exactly what decisions were made, who made them, and then hold those individuals accountable later on. If those hearings are not held, uh, then I'll be pressing my Republican, uh, rather my Democratic colleague, on a subcommittee uh, that I serve on that oversees Afghanistan and some neighboring countries to hold hearings ourselves. We've seen the Taliban prevent women from returning to work, place some restrictions on education for women. Was it a mistake for the U.S. to negotiate with the Taliban? It was a mistake uh, for us to withdraw in the way we did. Uh, I think we had a real opportunity uh, to, uh, to be able to uh, uh, bring together different groups. The Taliban would have been at the table. Uh, so would have some of the warlords and, and uh, power brokers uh, in the northern part of the country in particular. Some of the neighboring countries like Pakistan would have had a seat at the table. And then uh, some sort of coalition government, I think, might have been realized had we done that. But instead, uh, because uh, this administration was wedded to a particular timeline, which happened to coincide with the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We pulled out impulsively, we pulled out expeditiously, and we pulled out recklessly, leaving Americans behind in the process. Finally, I want to ask you about this plan announced by the IRS to track bank accounts with more than $600. They say this is a way for them to track wealthy Americans who aren't paying the taxes they should be paying. What are your thoughts on that plan? My thoughts are this is absolutely asinine. A $600 threshold uh, uh, over the course of a year um, describes, you know, the, the revenue from a successful lemonade stand that my 11-year-old would have. So, I mean, this essentially would impact, could impact every American, certainly every American household. Uh, this is designed, uh, many Democrats will tell us, 
to um, target the rich who are avoiding taxes. $600 threshold does not target the rich. Uh, what what uh, the far left aims to do is to turn our local banks in, into um, sort of um, extensions of the IRS to tax collectors. And uh, I think most Hoosiers would agree that your private financial information, it's very personal information, and we certainly don't trust the IRS to um, have visibility into it. What are you and your colleagues planning to do about it? Well, I've uh, sent a letter off uh, to the administration indicating that it's something I disfavor. Uh, and uh, I'm on the Committee of Jurisdiction that oversees the IRS. So uh, to the extent that uh, we have uh, enough democratic cooperation, since we're in the minority right now, we can legislate and prohibit this from happening. If we can't, uh, then as I like to say, we'll make them feel the heat. If they can't see the light, uh, defeat them in the next election, and then we'll make the changes. Senator Young, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're hearing from Indiana Senator Mike Braun, who's calling on Chicago police officers to come here if they lose their job over the city's new vaccination rules. We'll have reactions from our panel. Plus, an Indiana teacher among those honored at the White House this week. Stick around. We'll be right back. Your fellow Americans in uniform who are serving all over the world, let them hear from you how you treasure their service. General Colin Powell at the Indy 500 back in 2005 when he drove the pace car here in Indianapolis. The former Secretary of State passed away last week from complications of COVID-19. We're going to talk about his life and legacy now with our panel with us today on Zoom. Former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, and 2016 Vice Chair for the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel. Here in studio, former State Party Chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, former GOP lawmaker, Mike Murphy. Robin, certainly Colin Powell, someone who was incredibly well-respected on both sides of the aisle. And a role model in so many ways. I read, I read a little bit of his book the other night. When he was stationed out in Kansas there, they wanted to do something to commemorate the Buffalo Soldiers. So he went around and raised money and they put a statue up to recognize their service to our nation. This guy covered the entire gamut. I love the fact that he endorsed Barack Obama. Uh, later in life, but the fact of the matter is the truest patriot we've seen in a long time. Mike, you've, you've met uh, General Powell. Sure. You shared yeah, a, was a very picture fortunate. with the two of you. He, he told me a great story about when he went to high school. He, he wasn't really a great student in high school, and his ROTC teacher helped put together the grades from ROTC so he had good enough scores to get into City College in New York. And from then, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. He was a, it was work ethic over, any, over everything, really. People uh, have said this week he, he would have made an excellent president. Jennifer, some have called Powell, Powell the last of his generation. The tone of today's uh, politics certainly very different. I hope he's not the last of a generation. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he exhibited a graciousness, a gracefulness, um, and honestly, an acknowledgement when he had done things and said things that were incorrect, um, that he embraced that, and, and that we don't see that a lot in politics these days. But I, I certainly hope he's not the last. He will be missed, and I hope that others can follow in his footsteps and, and really replicate that kind of leadership. Uh, the war in Iraq, certainly part of his legacy, as you alluded to there. Tony, we also have to note, certainly, uh, very, very different kind of statements this past week about Colin Powell's life uh, from former President Trump, uh, somewhat disparaging him in a comment this week, and former VP Mike Pence, who, who called Powell a true American patriot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not aware of what um, former President Trump said, but I, I would agree with what um, Mike Pence said. He was a, Colin Powell was a great American, a 
soldier of 35 years, a four-star general, national security advisor, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and then Secretary of State. You can't do more than that for this country. Uh, he loved this country, um, born of Jamaican immigrants and grew up in the South Bronx in New York. Um, you know, he did things the way that we should want our kids to do them, work hard, love the country, um, and, and, and follow through on, on your ambitions and do so, you know, by the strength of your character, the content of your character, as Martin Luther King said. Today, we've, we've got a different um, way of looking at things, or at least that different way is seeping into our culture. But this is the way uh, I think parents need to to raise uh, their kids to aspire to something like Colin Powell. And certainly uh, one of the more uh, notable uh, losses uh, th throughout this coronavirus pandemic, no doubt. Uh, when, it, when it comes to, to the pandemic and the fight over uh, vaccine mandates this week, we're also hearing from Senator Mike Braun, who wants unvaccinated Chicago police officers to come here to Indiana. Everybody I talk to, whether it's a local government, a police department, a school, a business is hurting on keeping people employed, especially getting them back. And this, when you're gonna chase away anywhere from 10 to maybe 25% of your workforce with one single policy, that's misguided. Reaction to Senator Braun this week from Hammond Mayor Tom McDermott, who's looking to run for Senate against Todd Young. He said, shouldn't Senator Braun be urging Americans to get the FDA approved vaccine instead of encouraging, in his words, stubborn, selfish employees to not accept the, this medicine, encouraging unvaccinated people to move to Indiana during a worldwide pandemic. He says, no thanks. Robin, you, your reaction to all of this this week? Um, I wish that Mike Braun would support the Capitol Police as much as he's worried about the Chicago Police. I mean, they were right there making sure the insurrectionists didn't take over our Capitol on January the 6th. As for, I don't really want to onboard a lot of unvaccinated people to come to our state. And besides, it's amazing. This is big government trying to tell local governments what to do. Let Tom McDermott, who's been a mayor and other mayors, decide whether they want to onboard these kind of people. Senator Braun uh, has not, as you've seen in, in the news lately, disclosed his vaccination status. Uh, Mike, how do you see all of this? Well, I think, first of all, I would never refer to an entire... 10 to 20,000 police officers as being selfish or, or dumb. From um, McDermott's statement Yeah, there. from McDermott's statement. I think that's a, that's a bad statement to make. It's all about education. And I would meet with these officers and say, we'd love to have you in, the, in Indiana, but let's, let's talk to you about why you need to get the vaccination and work through common sense and, and, and education. A lot going on in Congress uh, this week. In the meantime, uh, Steve Bannon held in contempt of Congress for not appearing before the January 6th commission. You had Liz Cheney calling out Jim Banks again this week, while separately Jennifer Democrats continue to talk behind the scenes here to see if they can reach a deal on these two infrastructure bills that are such a big part of the president's agenda. Yeah, there's, a, there's just a lot going on in Washington, uh, as, as you say. Um, you know, I think for me, the most troubling part of this week was, was the, the Bannon refusal to provide information related to the insurrection. I just can't understand, and this is not as a partisan, this is just as a human being and an American, why Republicans continue to drag their feet on getting the information out into the public light about what happened. That was incredibly serious, incredibly traumatic. And we seem to still just get nothing but obfuscation. So I think for me, that was the most disappointing part of the week. Uh, Tony, about 30 seconds here. Your response to that? Indiana Republicans among those uh, voting uh, not to, to, to bring uh, those contempt charges against Steve Bannon. 
Well, you know, the Department of Justice investigated this before uh, Congress is looking at it. Uh, Congress has the right to do so, but clearly this is all politically motivated. They said so themselves. They're going to use this in the 2022 elections. Um, we'll see what the Department of Justice does, but I, I just think this is a sham, another sham uh, investigation by Congress and, and Steve Bannon's caught up in it. Robin, about 10 seconds here. Violent insurrection, I don't think it's a sham, and I think if you didn't do anything wrong, why not get to the bottom of it? Okay, we got to leave it there. Coming up next, an Indiana teacher among those honored at the White House this week. Stick around, we'll be right back. All of you represent the best of our profession, and yet you also represent the small miracles that teachers across this country perform in their classrooms every single day. First Lady Jill Biden honoring educators from all over the country at the White House this week as they're recognized as state and national teachers of the year. Katie Porcho from Danville Community Schools was Indiana's teacher of the year. She gave the First Lady artwork from Danville Community Schools as a gift and also met with both of Indiana's senators this week. Stick around, we'll be right back after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Jennifer, I'll start with you. Yeah, I have a, a would-be winner, a hopeful winner, which is our uh, fellow In Focus panelist, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, who recently got kicked out of Attorney General Todd Rakita's press conference and continues to battle for his First Amendment rights as a journalist, and I hope he wins. Okay, Tony? Just a loser of the week, Joe Biden. Um, I said before, you can't do this poorly as president unless you're actually trying to create these crises, and we've seen them over and over again. The latest is with the cargo ships not being able to dock and not and not letting and not being able to get goods across the country. And we're going to see it at, uh, during Christmas, especially. Mike, uh, the winner has to be the nine Republicans who voted to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. The loser has to be Steve O'Bannon. Justice is going to break out all over him like a bad case of poison ivy. Robin, the teacher of the year should be the winner. The loser are the people that keep going to school board meetings to disrupt them. Yeah, what civics it. lesson is that? Seen a lot of that, no doubt. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you again on the next edition of In Focus.